0: For those of you who don't know Noah Ring, you're based out of you're in the South. Where where about, Whereabouts are you based out of?
1: I am in the great state of Georgia.
0: All right, Atlanta area or outside of that? Well, but
1: no, thank God, I am in southeast Georgia, not Atlanta. Atlanta Atlanta is the only place I know where you can have six lanes and still have traffic.
0: Yeah, oh, I've I've flown into Atlanta before, and I enjoy uh, seeing the traffic jams as my plane is going over the city. So
1: (laughs) yeah, no, there is too much traffic in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. So tell my, uh, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. So we met through, uh, the podcasting world a little bit and we had a brief back and forth about a month before the elections. Um, what is, uh, so tell me a little bit about your background and how you, uh, came to be doing what you're doing today.
1: Right. So my name is uh, Noah Ring. I, I'm a conservative teenage activist in the great state of Georgia. I'm also a podcast host of the Little Light Freedom Ring podcast. It comes out every Monday. Uh, but, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I guess about five years now, I really started to look at, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. Because I, here I am 19, so you figure 14. You're like a freshman, sophomore in high school. You to try to figure that out. And uh, it's about the time. It, it was actually it was 2015. Um, and it was roughly about the time that Donald Trump announced he was running for president and something, something had been brewing in me for a couple of months before that I had been watching, you know, YouTube videos of Ben Shapiro, Milo Yiannopoulos. And for anybody who's been in politics for a while, they'll remember Milo. Yep. Um, I was, wa- I was watching them and I just remember Steven Crowder. And I just remember like, I agree with these people. Like, these people are right. Cause I mean, coming from Southeast Georgia, you tend to be conservative. Sure. My county's is, I guess about 65, 35. Okay. Uh, conservative. So, that just really kind of kind of clicked and then i started getting involved um with politics you know we me and a couple other friends started a started a a, a teenage republicans club in high school and now it's kind of grown to where now i host my own podcast I, I work with a bunch of candidates um who are running for office but that's kind of a, a little bit about me i also am a published author uh the abc's of politics from the Eyes of a high schooler say that uh, a, a little a bit, bit little...
0: slowly so so we can make sure we get you a good plug the abc what was that again
1: the ABCs of politics from the eyes of a high schooler
0: okay that's interesting where where can you where can that book be found
1: uh, Amazon Barnes and noble anywhere you're, you're you're shopping for books how old are you I am currently 19.
0: you're 19 when how old were you when this book was published ah uh, 17. Is it fair to say that you're the next Ben Shapiro?
1: <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I would love, I, you know, I would love if my podcast was on the level of Ben's. I, I would hope
0: for sure. I kind of like you. Uh, I'm from Northern Michigan, so I would say uh, rural uh, Northern Michigan is probably pretty similar uh, to rural Southeast Georgia. Um, I, I don't know the demographics down there super well, but it was almost a. For all intents and purposes, it, it was very conservative. My dad was a small business owner when I was growing up, and I, and I grew up listening to the, the Rush Limbaugh's and the Sean Hannity's, Mark Levin. Kind of, kind of a similar background. I, it, was, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but politics was never something that I really dove into until I moved to East Lansing when I was, uh, I was 18, 19 years old. And then I was like, wow, there's a lot of people out here that think different th- differently than I do. And so it was kind of a, a world-opening moment for me when I discovered that um, not everybody on this planet is a conservative. And I still stayed wanted to stay true to my beliefs, but I also wanted to learn more about why I believed what I believed. And if I was questioned about it, if I was able to come up with a halfway intelligent answer. Um, were, so growing up, did you always kind of... Um, were you passionate about politics? I mean, as a kid, or was this some? Was there like a, a moment in time that you can remember where uh, things kind of fell into place for you?
1: I, I could say in a way, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't think kids are out here just going, "Well, if you look at Plessy v. Ferguson," but you know, it was always like it was always like I was always the kid who was like I was tired of playing basketball at recess, so I was like, "Let's all just ask the teacher together collectively say we want to play kickball," um, stuff like that. You know, being I, I was always you know thinking about. Uh, like why you could, why you couldn't do something. I remember writing a letter to a city councilman when I was in like third grade about why we should revoke a seatbelt law because it doesn't hurt anybody else but ourselves. So I mean, I've always, I've always enjoyed arguing, and obviously, arguing and politics are best friends of each other. Yep. Um. So I I would say I've always been interested in. I didn't know it was politics at the time, but changing things for the better, trying to get, uh, trying to bring people to believing what I was, what I'm believing. Um, That, you know, each individual citizen is better at making decisions than, you know, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, you you answer anybody, there's not going to be anybody you can put inside the White House who's going to be able to tell you what, you know, Lansing, Michigan needs, Camden County, Georgia needs, Utah needs, other the more local the government, the better. Mm-hmm. So I think I've always been trying to push for that notion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So going back a little ways, uh, with the the in in back in the eighties, seventies, sixties, in that time frame, I feel like there are a lot of people who would have said that um, Republicans are the party, uh, the the authoritarian party. We we want to come. We we want to thump you with our Bibles. Uh, we want to tell you what you can and can't wear. I'm not saying that's how it was. I'm saying that was kind of the public uh, uh, opinion of the Republican Party, whereas the Democrat Party was the party of the people, the quote-unquote the union the union people, um, you know, the the 60s and 70s with the hippie movement and stuff like that. They were kind of the poster children for that. Um, today, I would argue that um, the party's kind of flip-flopped a little bit. The Democrat Party is much more of an— they've adopted more of a— an authority authoritarian standpoint on a lot of issues whereas the republican party is much more of a live and let live party um from a holistic standpoint do you can you like do you have any perspective on what caused that shift and maybe there was never really a shift and maybe it's just the public view what are your thoughts on some of
1: that right so i was actually thinking about this earlier like while you were talking about something earlier so i was really glad you brought this up um so I think, one, I don't think even think you have to go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s. I think if you even look at the early, really like pre tooth If you look at the Republican Party before Donald Trump took over, mm-hmm. we were a Republican Party, but we weren't a conservative party. And right. so the problem is, you know, you hear everybody say... Um, well, you hear most moderates say, yeah, well, I'm I'm economically conservative, but I'm socially liberal. Mm-hmm. I mean, my girlfriend's dad, who's from Maryland, I mean, he 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 just said it to me the other day, he said I'm economically conservative and socially liberal. So if you look at... What they mean by being socially liberal, what they mean is that people should be able to, you know, same-sex marriage should be allowed, uh, you should be able to basically do a lot of things so long as they don't harm anybody else, and that's something that true conservatives believe. Mm-hmm. This idea that social co- conservatism should be, you know, everyone must wear suit and ties all the time or else they get shunned, they get sent to the back of society, that's that's something, I, I can't tell you exactly when it happened where... The, the Republican Party decided to take over other than pointing that if you look at people like Rush Limbaugh, you look at people like Sean Hannity, they've been conservatives for 30 years. But the problem is these radio show hosts don't run for president. Correct. You know, they continue being a radio show. And that's why a lot of people uh, – that's why I try to point out to a lot of people who give Sean Hannity flack for always having Trump on, talking about Trump. It's like Donald Trump is one of the most overall conservative presidents we've ever had in the true term, in, in the true term of the sense. And you know, even, you know, looking back at Reagan, Reagan was a really solid Republican, but in terms of being a conservative, he he kind of, he kind of wavered the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there was a little bit of infighting in the Republican party and st- it's still going on, but as it stands now, conservatives are winning because the conservative message is a message that nobody can disagree with. You can't disagree with the fact that, you know, I want you to keep more of your money. I want to keep more of my money, but I also want to keep more freedom and I want you to keep more freedom. Mm-hmm. You see, the Republican Party used to try to say, I want, I want myself, I, I want what I think society should be like to be overall. I mean, just a couple of days ago, Donald Trump Jr. shared the meme that everybody shared on Facebook or saw on Facebook that says, I want the gay couple down the street to smoke weed and have guns. Yeah, right. And that, that's, <laughs> yeah. And it's could you imagine if George Bush's son put that on you know, Facebook back in the day? No. what world would have went crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I can't answer your question in terms of I don't know exactly what caused it, but I do know that I love the way that this is going because what's even crazy about the live and let live thing you brought up is that's something I dubbed in my, in my book is, you know, my generation is the live and let live generation. And if we want to bring people over, we have to be a live and let live party.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of piggybacking on what you just said, Uh, There's been, you know, in 2016 and definitely this year, there has been a, uh, in my opinion, some of the more stronger libertarian candidates that we've seen run uh, for a third party seat. Um, But from my perspective, I think like the 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 true values that Republicans and conservatives are sharing uh, these days actually really line up With the libertarian platform Can you can you make I, I think I could but do you think you could make an argument That a lot of uh, conservative uh, Viewpoints and a lot of Republican viewpoints really line up With what the Li- libertarian party preaches
1: Yeah you know I, I've said this For a while is a, true, a true libertarian So let's back up the, the problem becomes The problem really is Is that what we do as as a society is we take we take liberals and we equate them with the far left we take conservatives and we equate them with the far right sure. what we do with the libertarians because the libertarians are kind of like the coast Guard is everyone makes fun of them so what we do <laughs> with the libertarians is we take like the true libertarians somebody like you know a Ron Paul, a Rand Paul mm-hmm. and we kind of group them with the anarchists sure. but a true libertarian and a true conservative are very 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 close mm-hmm. they're very 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 similar um, because what a lot of people feel is they have a libertarian view on government, but they have a conservative view on life, the way that they live their life. Sure. And so when it comes to it, I, I think that I've said for years, if the libertarian party and the Republican party can merge and build a coalition, they would win forever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, let's think, let's think about what modern Republicans want. We want criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Libertarians have been screaming that since the sixties. For sure. We want, I'd say a, a good part of the party wants to start, wants to start looking at drugs to decriminalize to legalize you know like marijuana whatever it may be we're for gun rights um we're for all the constitutional rights we're the only party that really follows the constitution unless I mean the democratic party does follow the constitution whenever it benefits them sure um so I've said for a while though that if libertarians and republicans could come together we could we could form a caucus I guess the problem really becomes um that I'd say 60 years ago i'd say sometime between the woodrow wilson democratic party and about the 1950s the religious right started to take over um in the republican party and there's nothing wrong with the religious right mm-hmm. but they're the ones who tend to be socially conservative socially kind of authoritarian um and that kind of chased like the more what you would say a Middle progressive republican party yeah for sure it kind of pushed the progressive republican party out of um out of out of being a Republican. Mm-hmm. If you look all the way back at Teddy Roosevelt's, um, second run as the bull moose party, you know, he, once that 27% of the, of the population that voted for him, they never really went back to the Republican party, but then they didn't want to really vote for the democratic party. Cause the democratic mm-hmm. party was like, Whoa, you want to take away guns? And the Republican party was like, didn't feel with the way they did, because I have a view on government that government is there to solve, to, Government is there to help make sure that everyone can live life uh, to a good degree. Absolutely. So government like was,
0: was, was was created to protect our inherent rights, whether they came from right. God or they came from Gandhi, whatever you believe. They didn't come from government. Our rights came from our creator and government was created to protect those rights. I think that this has been one of the most uh, out of out of control Last couple months in the in the election style, forget about COVID. I don't want to talk about COVID. Every, everybody's everything you hear, you're freaking talking about COVID. I don't want to talk about COVID. But this this election um, and the role that social media played on this election, what what happened? Because by like all all indications are that Trump was going to win in a landslide, and uh, and the polls kept coming out saying that Biden was going to win by ten points. And then all of a sudden, we've got five states right now that are all having votes contested. Um, And Biden and Trump, by the way, scored more votes than any other presidential candidate in years. I don't know. Maybe of all time. I don't know 100 percent. Do you think how much of a role do you think social media played in that?
1: You know, I think social media played a huge role. So what with social media, it's it's the best of every world you could have because you know podcasts like ourselves have grown off social media it's grown off of, of clips and, and social media like that social media is how a lot of people especially under the age of I would say 40 get their news mm-hmm. and that's the big that's a big voting block so when it comes to <clears throat> the way social media played there were more first-time voters um, this turn this year than anyone time else and most most of the first- time voters are between the ages of like 18 and 24 i believe okay and so the problem is that i've said for a while the problem is you know we have we have republican senators and congressmen who will do stuff and then we have ones who won't do anything but the problem is a lot of these republican congressmen and senators are pushing 50 60 years old 70 years old 80 years old in some cases like when you come to like chuck grassley and mitch mcconnell's like 78 yep for sure so the problem is you know, Ms. McConnell's never sent a tweet himself. Mm-hmm. He has interns or PR or press secretary of communications director, since he's intern, Because they don't understand how social media works. And of course, I mean, if you're if you're sixty five by the time Facebook comes out, why do you learn Facebook? Um so the problem is we have Republican lawmakers who when ask when asking, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, so how does Facebook make money? Mark Zuckerberg literally looks at him and goes ads it's clipping ads they don't understand what's going like, on <laughs> yeah. yeah they don't understand what's going on but when it, it you know social media pre i'd say like 2016 2014 2016 twitter was so much fun you could get away with so much you could you could literally do so much yeah. you know twitter didn't really twitter had a very laissez-faire approach they just kind of were like okay everybody just be nice and kind of left and they just walked away. So the problem is after 2016 when Donald Trump won, they blamed it on Facebook and they blamed it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So then Twitter, you know, was getting pressure from the left to try and hey, don't let Donald Trump win again type things. Because what Twitter and Facebook and well, I would say MySpace, I was about to say MySpace. <laughs> what they do, you're not old what enough they to do, have MySpace. <laughs> I have them when I was when I was younger, you're it kidding. was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I remember that oh dude you could design your wall tom would never have
0: Have your top friends or whatever
1: yeah tom would never have censored us no but anyway oh for sure not so the problem is that what we've been what everyone has been asking for is at the very least transparency let us know let us know why be fair you know, if you're going to suspend a conservative for this, can suspend a, suspend a liberal for that? But unfortunately, that's not true. Uh, in 2018, about roughly a week before the midterms, week week and a half before the midterms, um, I was I was out to eat with my family. I checked my Twitter because it was, you know, it was it was a little bit after Brett Kavanaugh, and I was you know trying to see how everything was going on, and uh, I was suspended, and I was like, what was I suspended for? And so I opened up. And it said I was suspended for evading permanent suspension. And so, basically, that's like if you get suspended and you go make another account, it's like not Justin. Um, so, I was suspended for that. And so, I appealed it. I said I've never been suspended before. And see, most times what happens is an algorithm suspends you or a human. But most times it's an algorithm. I mean, if you tweet at somebody, hey, I hope you kill yourself, blah, 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 algorithm can suspend you. But, and then you appeal it because it's like, oh, if like, uh, like Joe Rogan told the story that like, um, like Bert Kreischer, like tweeted at Bill Burr, I'm going to kill you. And then they're like, hey, like, that's just like, you can tell it's, it's like banter. Exactly. So then it, so then when you appeal, it's supposed to go back to a human and the human looks at it and looks for context. Context was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I appealed, I said, I've never, I've never been suspended before. Like, I don't understand. Like, can you clarify? Not a peep. So, luckily, I have a good relationship with my congressman. I call my congressman. and Who's your your
0: congressman, by the way?
1: Congressman Buddy Carter, GA1. Okay. So, what's actually funny is a couple of months before, when Jack Dorsey was actually on the Hill, the congressman brought up my Twitter to him. No kidding. Um, Yeah, asking about why I'm not verified. Still not verified. Mm -hmm. But asking about why I'm not verified, blah, blah, blah. That was back when you could apply for verification. Yep. So, then... Um, I reached out to Congressman Carter's office. They were great. Um a guy named Nick at the legislative A. They were great. They, uh, they got it all figured out. And, um, I was unsuspended the Wednesday after the midterms.
0: Interesting.
1: Very ironic. Very ironic. Yeah. So uh, I had a story about
0: on- that for you, but c- continue. I have context right. for that
1: as well. So what I'm really glad about is people like Will Chamberlain have been, have been on this, on this, uh, regulate big tech for, for, for years now. And I'm glad that people are starting to come around. They started to come around when uh, it started to affect like senators, congressmen, uh, the president, even the president's son. Because the problem is if you get suspended tomorrow, Justin, not a lot of people are going to notice you're gone. Not a lot of like, people are going to be like, for sure, free, you know. And then the problem that we have is so when Alex Jones gets suspended, th- that's what they do is they start with Alex Jones. Sure. Somebody that li- all liberals will agree should be suspended. But, you know, maybe like. 10% of conservatives won't want him to be suspended. Nobody's going to really, you know, there was a fight race and then Republicans didn't fight for Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. And then, then they move. Well, first it was Milo Yiannopoulos. Then it was Alex Jones. Yeah.
0: Milo was really the first one to go down. Um, exactly. got zucked, if you will.
1: <laughs> and, and Milo, Milo was banned for his followers tweeting at somebody, not even him. Um, so Oh, they, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he had, he posted something like, sarcastically like like about leslie jones it was like this is such a terrible and then all of his followers were okay i
0: remember now yep
1: exactly so it's it's ironic because you know it started to move to where i i can't remember who it was but it was like some liberal tweeted that biological men or by something about something anti-transgender and she got suspended or she got permanently suspended so the problem is when you suspend people, all you do is send them over to sites that won't suspend them where you have an echo chamber Reddit, you see, and it, fortune. Reddit fortune. Yep. you see when you when you when people's tweets are allowed to stay up and somebody from the left sees it quotes it and people are like coming out of and they they have to defend their ideas but whenever you suspend indefinitely somebody for something that is you know not worth it, Then you completely take away people, and for some people, that's how they make money. I mean, I'm good friends with a guy who co-founded Nine Line Apparel, and he was telling me that they had months that they would do millions and millions in revenue, and some months that they would do like five hundred thousand. Good, keep in mind, five hundred thousand is still good, not bad. It all just depends on how Facebook treated them.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So they Facebook kind of controlled the algorithm that how they got pushed. And I noticed that I noticed that myself because I see all sorts of um, like I, I kind of track the metrics on everything that I post on social media and some posts will blow up and others will get one like and it, and it. And I always have that question in the back of my head. Is this actually reaching people? And and that's where transparency comes in is because I don't know. And it, it's almost like they have they're the judge, the jury and the executioner and uh yeah i'm i'm very uh it's very interesting to me to see the monopoly that these com- these uh, tech companies have, have developed and uh typically i am very much on the side of uh government should stay the hell away from business um but i think we're getting into some gray area because we've seen that the the massive amount of influence That social media can have over an election and if we are really going to have a true democracy which we're not by the way we're we're a constitutional republic but for the sake of this discussion if we're really going to have a democracy where your vote counts my vote counts um i think that that social media uh silencing people and and one of the guests that i had on my show back on uh, episode eight his name's ken and he is very tame on facebook he is he is not mr stir the pot guy um, but he got suspended for 30 days about 30 days ago, which is ironic where that kind of, that timeline that puts up, you know, but he's very much posting things about the Constitution, where Biden stands on, uh, some of those constitutional issues, and not necessarily in a controversial manner. He was just kind of posting things in that regard, and he got put in a Facebook jail for 30 days. So, there's. It just seems to me that um, there, if anything, if a government were ever to intervene in business, maybe this would be the time. Do you kind of agree on that?
1: Yeah. So my basic view on on regulations from the government, because I do believe some regulations are necessary, is if a regulate, I, I don't think I don't think government should regulate willy nilly, but I think that government should regulate in terms of protecting the well being. And of course, the argument is, um, you know, some people say government should regulate anything that could harm businesses. But let, let, let's look at child labor. If your business is run off of child labor, maybe you shouldn't be in business anymore. If your business is run off of, you know, dumping millions and millions of gallons of waste into the ocean, maybe your business shouldn't be around anymore.
0: Fair enough.
1: Because while I do want people to have more money in the economy to be better. It's just as important for the government to to make sure that there's a good social construct. As it is for businesses and as it is for private citizens it's like a three-way partnership because in a way private businesses are still accountable to us because they don't make any money without us if we're if all republicans fall conservatives got off of twitter tomorrow twitter would have to do some major changes because that's half the population statistically
0: yep absolutely so if, if you're just tuning in here now uh we're here with uh, the host of the let freedom ring show Noah ring uh, coming at you from out of Georgia. Um, so the, the election cycle, absolutely crazy. No, uh, no clear winner after election day, um, all the way up until Saturday when a lot of major media outlets started calling the election for Biden. Um, having said that, um, throughout that whole week, it was pretty obvious that Trump was going to file lawsuits to contest, um, You know, fraud being the tippy top of everything, um, but even some irregularities and some flat out just computer errors that um, that we I personally know of, too, just in Michigan, um, polling errors based on computers that have been fixed at this point. So there are all sorts of possibilities for mistakes out there at a minimum. So not even insinuating that there could be something sinister going on. Um, We should at least look into the the extremely close states that are being contested right now. Um, Now, having said that, on Wednesday, I came out and I said the Wednesday after the election, I was like, the left has won. And what I mean by that is, is that one of two things is going to happen. Biden is going to they're going to go through all the legal process. At the end of the day, they're going to find out, you know what? Um, Biden won, and the even if there were some irregularities, even if there are some uh, ballots that we have to throw out, at the end of the day, what we found is that Biden wins. Okay, so the left got their president, or we go through this long, drawn-out legal process where Trump is um, very um, bold and brazen about the fact that there's voter fraud. We find voter fraud. Um, cities are going to burn. It. It's what it is. The me- The the media. And social media is going to cite, incite violence and riots all over the country. Do you kind of agree with the narrative that, um, you know, one way or another, the left is won, Or do you are you a little bit more grass is greener and get a little bit um, more hopeful?
1: Well, it depends. So I think if if the left's goal is to either cripple a second term for President Trump or get a President Biden, then, yes, they've won. Um, because I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if any of the lawsuits Trump has proposed are going to stand up. Because I'm have gone to law school, sure. So, fair enough. Um, if we, if we, if we go with the assumption that Joe Biden won, if we just assume that, for for the sake of what I'm about to say, then if you look at it, they Democrats might have won a battle, but they lost the war. Republicans flipped a few state legislatures, flipped a governor's mansion or two, and next year's a redistricting year. In in terms of that, Republicans currently hold 215 seats in the in the House of Representatives. Two hundred and fifteen out of two hundred out of four hundred and thirty-five. Which means that Democrats have about a five seat majority, which in the grand scheme of things is a majority. That's, not very, much. that's basically dead even. Yep. That's like having a 50-50, a fifty-one forty-nine in the Senate, and Correct. the fifty first person is L- Susan Collins. Mm-hmm. I mean you have I mean you have pretty much a dead even tie. And this is a time in which Democrats are supposed to pick up 20 seats. They're supposed to flip the Senate. It looks like we're going to hold the Senate by two seats. So what it looks like to me is what I've been saying for a while is a lot of Americans like Donald Trump's policies, but they don't like his presidency. They don't like him. You know, for I mean, I had Congressman Garrett Graves on my podcast and he said, if I could just take Donald Trump's Twitter away from him. And I agreed with him is what people don't understand is the only reason we like Donald Trump's tweets is because we we agree with him overall, and we think he's doing good. But if you think if you think Orange Man bad twenty four seven, his tweets are just another thing. It just feels left fire. did Yeah, and what the left did is they did a good job of the same thing they did in two thousand eight, getting a lot of non voters to vote, and that won't materialize again for a while. You know they're not going to have another candidate for a while that will really just revolutionized the party because the, nobody because
0: the it. entire the entire um campaign was i i would say probably 80 percent about who we're going to replace and about 20 percent about what we're actually going to do the right. campaign 100 it, it revolved around getting trump out of office that's that's what the old that that was what the main narrative was is like hey this guy might suck he might he might be a, a walking corpse but he's he's gonna get donald trump out of office if we vote for him
1: right No, no, you're 100% right. And I have to, I mean, I have to be with you. If if I'm somebody who doesn't pay attention to politics, but I just watch CNN from time to time, and I just see, you know, so many, like, in in the grand scheme of things, so many things that aren't true that keep getting said. I mean, the Russians fixed the election and all this crazy stuff. Well, shoot, I'm like, well, I guess I can go down to the polls for a few minutes and vote against him. I don't know any of these, I don't know who this congressman is. I don't know who this is. So I'm just going to vote for Biden and leave. And that's what happened. I would venture to say I don't know the numbers, but I know it. Uh, it I know there were about I want to say two hundred thousand in the state of Georgia, one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand in the state of Georgia, that were purely Biden votes. And one problem that the right has, uh, the left too, but the one problem that I'm going to point out on the right because I want to see it better is we have a hard time of thinking rationally sometimes about things. Like we don't we don't take ourselves out of the situation, sure. and look at why things could happen. Because like I'm seeing some prominent prominent Republicans who are tweeting. They're tweeting stuff like, "All these only Biden votes are really, really like thing." And I'm like, if you think the Democrats had a cons- had a had a full for full, a full fledged effort to steal this election, don't you think they would have been like, "Well, let's vote for this candidate." This for candidate. sure. Let's well, let's give a straight
0: ticket and then see what right, happens.
1: Let's let's get some Democrats in, in the Senate and the mm-hmm. House. Like that. That's not that's not what would have happened. Um, I think the Repo- you see people. I mean if we're being 100% honest there probably was voter fraud in this election in some in some degree. Now is it enough to flips to flip states that he lost by 200,000 votes? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Is it enough to find in Georgia where he lost by 10,000 votes? Maybe. Sure. Who knows? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um but what I can tell you is the Democrats get did a really good job of getting out the vote. Yeah. And if Biden wins or Trump wins, but if Biden wins the the Republican party will be doing really good for the next 4 years. Yep. Because you need to campaign against Joe Biden. It there's nothing better in American politics than campaigning against somebody.
0: For sure. There's two and things there, there's two things you need to do. You may need to make it really easy for somebody to vote for you and really hard for somebody to vote against your uh, against you or whatever. You need you want you want to make it so that you don't want to vote for the other guy almost even more than you want them to vote for you. Exactly. So
1: you have to you have to paint your opponent as the worst person who will ever take the office.
0: Yeah. Whether they are or not. I mean, I think Joe Biden, you know, I think he's he's more of a talking head for just the the left in general. I think Kamala Harris is, is much more of a threat to uh, <laughs> capitalism and all that stuff than than Joe Biden ever will be. So moving forward, um, you know, just to kind of put a bow on this, I I know you've got probably lots of homework to do, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so to kind of put a bow on this, you know, say, see, uh, assuming that Biden wins the election, because we still don't know um, the uh, the electorates have not been cast. There hasn't been a single state that has solidified their their ballot, even though we can say that California is going to vote for Biden and Texas is going to vote for Trump. It's pretty obvious at that point. You know, where if let's say Biden wins, what what do you think the future of the Republican Party is? You, you sound pretty optimistic. What are a couple things that you're looking forward to seeing, and uh, do you have any uh, early, hit, early hunches on who we might see in 24?
1: So if if Joe Biden wins, I think the future of the Republican Party is really strong, because for a few reasons: one, because the Republicans have a lot of people in the pipeline, but two, because Democrats are infighting. I'm not sure if you heard, there was a, there was a phone call in the D about the D C, which is the democratic, uh, congressional coalition committee or basically getting Democrats elected to Congress. And so you have people like Connor Lamb, who I respect. And you have people, I mean, this guy who went to UPenn and, and then commissioned to the Marines. That never happens. And then you have a girl named, uh, Spanberger out in VA seven who are in two purple districts in a year where the media told us the left was going to take the house by, by a lot. Uh, I think, I think right now, Spamberger won by about 5,000 votes, and um, Connor Lamb won by like 2,000 votes, maybe. And so you're talking about a really, really tight margin. And on this call is also Rashida Tlaib, Alejandro Ocasio Cortez. And basically, Connor Lamb and Spamberger said, um, hey, like, we need to tone down this defund the police, this socialism talk. It almost lost us seats. Yeah. It did lose some seats it did. I mean, South Florida flipped red mm-hmm. for the first time in a while. It's yeah. the only reason that state went red. Mm-hmm. So then you look at and then so what Rashida Tlaib said to Connor Lamb, a Democrat, was, "Oh, you must not care about advancing the future of black people." calling Connor call Con- calling Connor Lamb racist. And I don't think Connor Lamb's racist. I think whoever held his seat 60 years ago who was a Democrat probably was. Mm-hmm. But so you, you see this this m- major infighting in the, in the Democratic party. Like I said, they only have a five seat majority and Nancy Pelosi apparently does not have the votes to be Speaker of the House next year. Um, If all 214 Republicans vote for the same candidate, there's a big chance there's a Republican Speaker of the House.
0: That would be interesting.
1: And in terms of candidates, I've said uh, quite publicly that if Josh Halley runs for president in 2024, I will write that man a $2,700 check. Uh, in both the primary and the general. He is a person who I think is hopefully the future of the Republican Party, people like him. Um, a lot of people are saying Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, uh, Eric Trump, Tiffany Trump, who Tiffany's probably the most qualified Trump to hold a position, honestly. Um, they're saying people like her, but are people like them, but I don't think that a large fourth of the American public like political dynasties. Um, so I think that you have somebody like josh halley i think you could see governor ron desantis from florida uh you could you could see rick scott maybe if ron doesn't run i mean he has he has the the history of being a governor of florida you could see people like this run uh, i think you'd probably see maybe dan crenshaw throw his hat into the ring but i'd love to is, see that by the way right and so the thing is republicans have like a lot of people peter meyer who, mm-hmm. who you know very well uh, up in up in michigan you could see a lot of republicans a lot of republicans are starting to become household names Mm -hmm. they're starting to be republicans that even democrats can't like or can't not so i think the future of the republican party is is really really good if biden wins because we can spend two years campaigning about biden wanting to repeal the second amendment biden and we can spend two years send like just showing all the times biden has done something incredibly stupid yep we can two years dissecting the 1994 crime bill we can spend two years dissecting the 88 cocaine bill i think the future of the republican party if biden wins is a lot what if to the republicans who are listening to this or to everyone who's listening to this it's important to remember that biden's not gonna be able to do a whole lot with the republican senate and a six three majority on the court or as i see i say a five three and one majority on the court i agree 100 percent
0: I, I think Kavanaugh's so much more moderate than than everybody oh, I, else thinks. I was
1: throwing John Roberts, J, J, John
0: Roberts as, as well. But like it, Kavanaugh, like everybody painted Kavanaugh this monster conservative coming in there. I I mean, has he really ruled conservatively on, any, on anything? He he really seems more like John Roberts 2.0 than maybe a, a Scalia or a um, right. Gorich seems very conservative to me. Of course but, it's Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So to wrap this up, I have a a mad baby, so we're gonna we're gonna put a pretty bow on this. So, do you have anything uh, anything you're looking forward to in the next couple years uh, with your podcast? What's kind of your vision for the show?
1: Uh, you know, I just want to. I just my my the reason I started the show and the same reason I wrote the book and I'm planning on a new book is I want to give people. I want to serve as a buffer between a couple of categories. I want to serve as a buffer uh, for teenagers or like college students who are conservative and they don't know quite how to display their their political opinions because i've heard from multiple democrats my age that okay you're 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 you know you're my baby's mad yep that's uh, true that's your sense also want to serve as a buffer to like grandparents who like hey you know you want your kids to be conservative you know try talking to them like this and also you know parents uh politicians about what the youth thinks um that's that's kind of my role hopefully it'll grow to the levels of ben shapiro that'd be nice um that's my goal for the for the show i I just want to be i want to be be, i'd really love to host a 2024 presidential uh debate we'll see if that happens
0: that would be awesome
1: i'd give you some i'd let you write one of the questions
0: (laughs) all right that sounds good well hey uh always a pleasure noah um i wish you the best luck in your uh, in your podcasting endeavors uh if you haven't heard already uh let freedom ring available on all p- podcast platforms uh you can click the link in the description to get access to that uh no ring ladies and gentlemen pleasure having you on sir thanks justin anytime all right thanks man have a great night